Hello there and welcome back to the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. This is a Canon Catch-Up episode and today on Canon Catch-Up we are going to be talking about Star Wars Volume 2 Showdown on Smuggler's Moon and to talk through that volume of Star Wars comic with you it is myself, Dan and Chris here. What up? What up? Um... So yeah, we're back with more of Jason Aaron's Star Wars run. Uh, This second volume, Showdown on Smuggler's Moon, collects issues 7 to 12. Issue 7 in this is the first chapter of the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sort of that arc, which sort of drops sporadically throughout the run. Um, Mm. So we're not going to talk about that one too much because there is a trade paperback later on which collects all those stories and we will sort of really focus on those stories when we discuss that paperback a bit further down the line but we will briefly mention it um that issue is obviously written by jason aaron and drawn by simone bianchi and then issues 8 to 12 are the showdown on smuggler's moon issues and they are all drawn by Stuart imonen um and these issues of star wars came out from august to november of 2015 this trade paperback came out on the 26th of january 2016 that basically sums it up yeah um so in this volume we sort of continue from where we left off in volume one with the han and leia bumping into han solo's wife yeah uh, sanastaros at this point, she's called Santa Solo. Santa Solo. Um, and then Luke naively heads to Nash Shadar, the smuggler's moon, to try and get some Jedi-related information and ends up getting himself captured by a big muscly hut called Gracchus the Hut. Um, Ripped. So yeah, that's basically the overview of this volume. Chris, just general thoughts before we dive in. What do you think of, of this volume? I remember reading this uh, the, for the first time, and it was one of the first Star Wars comics I read. Well, you know, this in volume one. Um, and I remember thinking, like, how far out it seemed compared to the movies. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that we have, like, Han Solo had a wife? What? Like, these big things. And then there's a ripped the hench ass hut. That has robot <laughs> legs and Luke gets thrown into like a gladiator ring. I'm like, what the? This happened between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. This is mental. Yeah. Obviously, I'm, I'm used to that now. I'm used to the way that Star Wars comics go, but this really set the tone, I think, mm-hmm. uh, for how they go. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a good one. I think I enjoy it more than some of the other arcs by Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, on on reading this just now, like I actually was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I didn't I didn't necessarily remember this being one of my favourite arcs, but I actually really got a lot of enjoyment out of this one. Um, the artwork is really really good. Um, the Nar Shadar as a as a planet setting is a really interesting planet, and just get some like pretty like wacky and wild 
shit happens in this. Like Dengar pops up and has a fight with Chewbacca, which is yeah, which is really cool. <laughs> that was like quite a big moment. That was. I remember like yeah. a lot of people talking about that, and you can see the tone they were trying to set with these comics. It's so different from what we have now. Yeah, like yeah. you know, you got Dengar being like a character people give a shit about. And Chewie yeah. fighting him, and it's like a big deal. And then you've got um, they're trying to like make these other characters like become mainstays, and they did for a while, but then kind of died when Jason Aaron left. Like no writer cared enough about Creel, for example, to carry that on. Yeah, yeah. So that's obviously one of the big introductions in this volume is um, Sergeant Creel, who isn't revealed to be Sergeant Creel until the end, but he is he is the game master throughout this. Um, this sort of mysterious hooded figure who sort of like gets Luke to scrap with a lightsaber and works for Gracchus the Hutt, but is actually a a member of Vader's fist and is sort of working undercover. Um, so he's a really cool character. Which is not a sex shop. <laughs> on the death what, of Vader's, Vader's <laughs> fist? <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I mean, what do you think of the game master? Yeah, I remember thinking it was really strange seeing like, you know, ancient roman imagery in star wars in a big coliseum yeah. and then there's like a, a essentially a slave trainer yeah. yeah teaching luke how to use his lightsaber because you've got to think at this point luke as far as we've seen in the movies hasn't used his lightsaber um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we've had like a few issues and weapon of the jedi at this point but that's pretty much it um so he's teaching him how to use it properly how to use it in a big fight with a big like mech demon thing <laughs> big like half rancor half robot sort of thing yeah it looks like a like a like a devil like something from doom yeah <laughs> it looks like something from doom um but no it's, it's it's like i'm saying it's one of those things where it's really far out and if your only experience of star wars was the original trilogy and maybe the prequel trilogy you'd be like what the fuck is this mm-hmm. um but if you're used to star wars comics um where they can go with things like jackson and things like that then it's it's a, it's interesting, and Creel was the game master slash Creel was fit quite well into that, and he, he I like him later on as well. Yeah, he, he goes on to be quite quite an important character in later volumes of Aaron's run. Um, yeah, this is definitely one of the wackier volumes of Star Wars, um, I think. But I actually think it works. I think there's sometimes where things get a bit too wacky, but I think this one actually works, and sort of the whole. All the stuff with Leia and Han and Sana is dope. Like, you really see how much of a badass Leia is. Like, you have the moment when Sana's like, wait, she's a princess. Like, why is she a badass? And I think even one of the Imperials says that as well. They're like, is she really a princess? When she's, like, shooting them all up. (laughs) Um, You obviously really see how much Han is starting to care about Leia because of how, like annoyed he's getting when like Santa's suggesting that they're actually married and and how defensive he's getting there so it's like it's a good sort of relationship builder for Han and Leia that whole and obviously Santa's introduction here she is a really interesting and compelling character so it's good to get more of her that's my favorite issue of this collection Mm -hmm. because you had that interesting dynamic obviously Jason Howard knows that we know as readers that Han and Leia end up getting together but at this point they're nothing more than flirty, and they've just started to maybe explore the fact that they like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I've got a wife, you know, she's thinking, hands a dirt bag. <laughs> and so, so Leia's like, I don't care anyway, do what you want. Yeah, we're nothing, she's like, we're nothing super jealous. 
<laughs> super as she like moves the picnic out of sight and you know what I mean? <laughs> and she's obviously super jealous, yeah. I love that dynamic and Santa is such a I mean, you know how much we love Santa now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's eight years later, Santa's yeah, the still journey's kicking. wild. Yeah. Santa's yeah, still yeah. kicking and she's like my girl Afra's main love. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's crazy how far Santa's come from here. Yeah, God. I mean, it's you look at all Jason Aaron's characters, and the one that stuck, the only one that stuck really is Santa, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really, really, really cool. I think it's because they obviously latched her onto Afra, and mm-hmm. Afra's not going anywhere for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, that I love that whole issue with the kind of back and forth and the flirtiness and. I mean, yeah, it, when Leia sort of like pushes Han into Santa to like get the gun from her boot to like hold them both up, and Han's like, "Wait a minute, you pointed that at me as well." Like that whole that, that stuff reminds you that like Leia is not the damsel in distress in Star Wars; she is a badass who yeah. does not does not get pushed about. And Han takes her, Han takes her to this planet. He always takes all the, to Riz her up this little Riz <laughs> planet. That he takes all these ladies. <laughs> with his like secret cave behind the waterfall yeah. isn't it yeah yeah uh, got fair play to him mate i tell you yeah, so it's nice to read han yeah i know because in the current ones we haven't had him for a long time yeah because he's a bit busy in carbonite yeah so it's yeah. nice to have han again because he is essentially the lifeblood i think of the original trilogy yeah and i think um one of the things that like i think one of the things I, I always hold Jason Aaron's run for in quite high regard is how he writes the big three. Mm-hmm. I think he writes Luke, Leia and Han really, really well. Yeah. Um, really consistently, even if like there's some of Jason Aaron's storylines that go a bit weird and wacky and over the top, he's consistently good at writing the big three. I mean, Luke in this, like the way he sort of writes Luke's sort of adorable naivety in mm-hmm. this with like him going to this like planet full of criminals and pirates and just, Walking being into a bar, being like, you know, has anyone seen this criminal? <laughs> Walks like, into the bar and he's like, does anyone want to take me to Coruscant, please? He's basically like Mr. Bean, do you know what I mean? Just kind of wandering in, just, like, <laughs> just walk into things naively and innocently. No, but that's that, that's why I love Luke, mm-hmm. you know? That's why I prefer this Luke, canon Luke, to Legends Luke, because Legends Luke becomes like a god, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that we have in canon we have innocent, stupid Luke, because that's who he is at his heart. That's who he is. Yeah, he's just yeah. a baby child, man. <laughs> a sexless oh. baby child, man. <laughs> a sexless baby child. Man. That's what Luke Skywalker is. Fuck, we fuck also, Mara Jade. We also get a little bit of a, a little bit of chewy and three PO fun in this one as well. I mean, I like that dynamic. Yeah, where's the, where's the Chibi and 3PO comics? I'd read that. I, I'd read a miniseries, Chibi and 3PO, <laughs> just risen it up. I thought they were, I thought they were really fun dynamic in this. Obviously, because like Chewbacca doesn't speak, so you know, and 3PO, 3PO too much. Yeah, exactly. And 3PO sort of does all the exposition for Chewbacca. I thought they were a really fun dynamic as they're sort of chasing Luke down on Nar Shaddaa. It's nice to hear you say that because don't you hate 3PO or is that John? No, I quite like 3PO. It's John who doesn't like 3PO. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 3PO's always been my boy. Yeah, John hates 3PO. Yeah. Bastard. And so does Evil John. John and Evil John both both hate C3PO. Yeah. What about uh, Neutral John? (laughs) (laughs) 
Neutral John has no opinion on 3PO. Well, like Neutrogen. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, oh, sorry. My, uh, it's, this will get edited out. My Chinese has just arrived, Chris. No, let leave it go, in. Leave it in. Let, let me go get it off the man. Okay, you go then, get the Chinese. Uh, I will keep everyone entertained. Yeah, just keep talking. I'll keep talking. I'll keep talking. I wonder what he's having. I reckon he's having, like, something, something spicy. Or something sweet and sour. But anyway, I'll just start talking about Star Wars. Rather. Sarah Saros is such a great character. And this is where she comes from. I know, obviously, we got the first issue of her first appearance in the last volume. But this is where you get the meat of her. And it really sets up that kind of uh, dynamic between Han and Leia, like I was saying, where they're flirting and they're fighting. And that's the Han and Leia we love. That's why they're my favorite couple in Star Wars. More well, apart from maybe Santa and Afra. Um, and if you listen to this still, <laughs> then in volume four, like that goes even further. I'm not going to ruin it in case you haven't read them. I and mean, we will get to that episode eventually. But yeah, um, really great. But what Dan's not going to tell you is, because he tries to be sensible, is there is a hut in this that is ripped. Like he has like literal big fat muscles. You know, like a jab of the hut and he's like a big fat guy. This is like a ripped hut, and he has like robot legs, and he owns a coliseum, and he's obsessed with collecting Jedi artifacts and Sith artifacts, and like you don't see that like ever now. And I think he shows up again later on. I think they like lean on him for something to like get some information from him. But yeah, it's a really really cool, interesting thing. So if you like that kind of like gladiator esque you know, um, street-level, dirgy, kind of, like, grimy storyline, this is the one. It really is great for that. Really great. Were you keeping the people entertained? <laughs> I actually I actually was talking. I mean, we can leave this bit. I actually was talking nonsense. <laughs> but it's going to be it's going to be a unique kind of catch-up, Dan. Very unique. Um, right, so where were we? So um, in this volume, I guess one of the significant things we got was the introduction to Gracchus the Hutt. Yeah, I haven't this just been pen... speaking about him. <laughs> okay, well, you just speaking about Gracchus. <laughs> I was just like, he's really hench. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, what do we think about this big muscular hut that we got introduced to? Yeah, I mean, I was just saying to the listeners, um, my guys, that like, isn't he leaned on later on? Like... He doesn't turn good. Like, he comes back into it later, doesn't he? Yeah. And they, like, lean on him for something to get some information out of him. I think he helps the rebellion a bit later on, I think. Yeah, I, I have a vague recollection of him becoming good, in a way. Mm. Vaguely good. Yeah. Kind of like um, the one in the High Republic. Yeah, that... that, that Miaga? Miaga the Hut? How do you remember Maybe? that? I don't know. <laughs> Mate. It's probably not right. <laughs> You're just some like closet hut enthusiast. You got like posters of all the huts. I just love the huts. Jabba. Is your favourite one the weird one from the Clone Wars that has a monocle? <laughs> yeah, the monocle one. Monocle I the love hut. the monocle one. Yeah, monocle the hut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, they were really weird with their designs in Clone Wars, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. There was like the pink hut yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars Volume 2. Star Wars Volume 2, guys. Um, no, sorry, the thing we do need to actually talk about is that the fact that Gracchus the Hutt 
collect Jedi memorabilia. Mm-hmm. And we get that whole scene where Luke opens all the holocrons. Yeah. And there's just like loads of information about the Jedi. How do we feel about that little tease to a bit of Jedi information that immediately gets shut down at the end? Yeah, really, really cool. I mean, I imagine when this came out, people were super excited about reading that. It's a shame that it was never explored again later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I guess Vader just destroys it all by the end. Fucking Vader. Anakin's oh. such a whiny bitch. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's a really tantalizing thing. And obviously we've had it just in the Lando miniseries. There's like lore and Sith artifacts. So you can see they were starting to like tease more. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that going on back then. And I guess it sort of, it's built up over time, hasn't it? Well, obviously they were going to expand on the lore with the sequels, weren't they? Yeah, I'm guessing at that point they didn't know which direction they were going to go. I mean, no. I mean, I like the sequels, but they weren't planned. Yeah. So yeah. I imagine they were casting their net wide, much like the original trilogy. Much like the original trilogy, yeah. And then the one trilogy that it was planned was dog shit. I'm not going to say which one it was, but I'll leave that one up to you. That is Chris's opinion. Yeah, Chris's opinion. <laughs> um, I found it quite interesting <laughs> that we. <laughs> That we got the little tease about Vrogus Fass, which obviously is featured heavily in the next volume, the Vader Down crossover. Yes. Um, but then we saw we saw some other quite significant Jedi. I'm pretty sure we saw Oppo Rancisis. We saw Terra Sinube. We saw... Um, both of which are High Republic Jedi. Both of which are in the High Republic, yep. We saw Shakti. Oh, yeah. Um, and then... There's probably other ones that I've already forgotten about. Yeah, um, it's really cool. But it's like a really cool, like, the idea that there's people out there who've collected all these Jedi artifacts and that Luke was very close to getting a lot more information about the Jedi Order, but unfortunately he could not because he got interrupted by a big sort of Colosseum battle and some Imperial bastards and... Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say Dengar, but Dengar was already lobbed off a building and blown up by this point. Yeah. How do we feel about Dengar in this? I thought it was cool. I like Dengar. I like when Dengar pops up. I liked him just scrapping Chewbacca and getting the shit beaten out of him. Yeah, and because... He nearly beats Chewbacca as well. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, like, people always, like... You see it a lot in Star Wars. Like Chewbacca gets like referred to as like the mighty Chewbacca, and you know there's all this like reference to him being this like great warrior, and we actually don't see it as much in the films. No. But in the comics, you really see Chewbacca kicking ass a lot, and when that happens, I, I always I always get enjoyment out of it. And I think this volume is like a really good sort of like Chewbacca kicking ass volume. Yeah, it really is. I mean. My- it's nice to see Chewbacca getting his moment. You can see that at this point, Jason Aaron was trying to like spread the spotlight around a bit, which is one thing that I'll, I will give him over Saul. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Saul doesn't, Saul mainly focuses on Lando and Leia in his series, doesn't he? Yeah. Like yeah. Occasionally Luke, but it's mainly Lando and Leia, um, which is fine. So it's nice to see like Chewbacca getting his moment. He has that awesome moment with Dengar who's probably not the same Dengar we get later on. He's a bit more serious, a bit more competent. Yeah, he's not like this like Cockney geezer. Yeah. <laughs> like he is in Bounty Hunters. That's whipped with his wife and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I prefer that one, but it's <laughs> so nice to I. see this version yeah. of Bounty Hunter, uh, Bounty Hunter of Dengar. Yeah. Um, and there's that really cool moment where he like nearly defeats 
Chewbacca, and then yeah. Han and Leia came up to come up to show the, save the day, don't they? Yeah, it's actually it's a good point that you make the way that Jason Aaron manages to spread out like the spotlight because in this in this volume, like Leia, Han, Luke, Chewbacca, three PO, and R two all have significant roles within the story. Yeah, and it obviously all converges on like the arena where like R two rocks up with lightsabers, and then we see Han Solo and Princess Leia like wielding lightsabers, which is obviously just a wild thing that like never gets revisited ever again. But it's just <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah um and then like chewbacca uh chewbacca's obviously beating up dengar you've got 3po just like exposition dumping the whole way along like it's just a fun the entire team being involved adventure do you know what revisiting this jason aaron run i i always liked it mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it was never my favorite yeah but i'm starting to realize how good it was yeah yeah me too yeah like it was really, really good. Because it's funny if you if you like go back to like that first sort of like comics chat that me, you, and John did. Me and John weren't that positive about Jason Aaron Star Wars run, and I don't really know why now because now I'm like rereading these volumes. Like I I do really like his his work. Like I think it's a very a very good capture of that like original trilogy charm. It's perfect for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these do feel like fun stories that fit within the timeline. Yeah, like, yeah they're a bit weird and wacky, don't get me wrong, but I, I can read this and believe it's canon. Yeah. Whereas, like, when I read Greg Pak, Star Fader, I struggle to we feel like it's canon. We couldn't go an episode without... Yeah, shit. it had to happen. Fader, could we? we couldn't do it. <laughs> had to happen. But, like, you read this and it's like... Like when when I when I chat to my friends who don't read the books and comics, I constantly find myself referencing things that happened in Jason Aaron's run and being yeah. like, "Oh, so did you know in canon this happened, or like you know this happened, or Luke fought Boba Fett in Obi Wan's heart, and you know all these things that like to me is like Star Wars canon all came from Jason Aaron's run." So I, I am. On reflection and on rereads, I think I did him a disservice when I said it wasn't my favourite because he, he did a really good job with these. Aaron and Gillen really, really did a great job of setting the tone for yeah. how Star Wars comics were going to work Yeah, in this new yeah. canon. They did a really good job. Um, and I wish they'd come back. I know Jason Aaron came back and did a, like a story in Darth Vader, Black, White and Red. But I'd uh-huh. like him to come back and do some more. I mean, if Charles Saul dips out for the next volume... I'll be happy for Jason Aaron to come back and do another run. That would be great. The only, my only thing that worries me is Jason Aaron's run on the Avengers recently has been absolutely abysmally bad. So I, I, I'm worried that he's he peaked at Star Wars. And if he came back, well, he would have dropped in form. A lot of people say his Thor is his peak, don't they? Yeah, I mean, his Mighty Thor is incredible as well. Like Jason Aaron is an incredible writer, but recently I don't know what happens. Well, he created everything that, that Love and Thunder is based on, right? With like... Uh, the Mighty Thor with Jane yeah, as Thor. Yeah, Jane and Gore the God Butcher, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's Jason that's Aaron in his first volume. Well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Diverging as always. I think the reason why I kind of cooled on Jason Aaron's run is because volume six I wasn't a big fan of. And it's volume five. Yeah, so volume five is the one where he dips back and just tells that story about Yoda. Oh, yeah, with the mountains. With the mountains, which is fine. It should have been its own miniseries, though. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then across the stars or amongst the stars or something volume six is just like little one shots isn't it so you can tell yeah. he was checking out and he kind of soured yeah. my view on his run as a whole but volume one to four of our of Aaron's run is is nearly perfect is is volume four the one that's called like last flight of the harbinger yeah. or something like that yeah that's yeah. the one where i love this where han and leia have the race oh to yeah to see who can get across the star destroyer to the pilot to who who would be he's going to be captain yeah yeah and it's really fun yeah oh man i'm it's it's this is the thing that i'm really liking about canon catch up is going back and rereading these early volumes from 2015 because there was some really good stuff back then and i think this and i'm a huge fan of like underworldy settings so like Narshadar has always been a planet or a moon i guess that i found really interesting and like soul goes back there at one point in his run as well like in the was it like right at the beginning of war of the bounty hunters yeah it's used every now and again mm-hmm. and it's a cool was, setting it really is yeah yeah because it's like a den of iniquity isn't it you know in star yeah. wars um because you can't keep using tatooine yeah exactly, so exactly. And i think China. it's a good yeah it's a good uh, hive of scum and villainy that isn't Mos Eisley. Yeah. Um, just briefly, the artwork. Yeah. Stuart Imonen. Imonen, I think his name is. Imonen. Yeah. Imonen. Uh, what do you think of this artwork? Loved it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's. I think it's possibly my favourite of the art in Aaron's. Because one thing I was going to say, actually, the other thing that Aaron did is every volume, every arc had a different artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they were wildly different. So number one had that more Tracy kind of vibe, which wasn't as bad as La Rocca, but it was that kind of vibe. This one is perfect. So you've got like stylistic, um, almost cartoony art. Yeah, reminds yeah. me of someone like Paolo Villanelli. The way he, I love the way he draws Luke. In yeah, this. exactly. So it's not traced faces, but it kind of goes for cartoony realism which I really appreciate. And then mm-hmm. volume three was like super hyper realism. And then volume four was like really cartoony. Um, yeah. But I really like this one. The art's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Possibly the highlight of Aaron's Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, like some like the, obviously the listeners can't see this, but this, this panel of like Luke looking up at Gracchus the Hutt yeah. is so over the top and cartoony, but it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's re- really, really good art. Um, I think he's done quite a lot in Star Wars that artist has. Really bright and colourful as well, the colourist on this as well. Like, I I really like... Yeah, I just... I like the composition of the panels and the artwork's really, really good. I guess the last little thing to touch on, and we'll touch on it very briefly, because as I said at the top, there is a trade paperback that collects it all. The issue number seven, the first issue in this, which is the um, journal from Obi-Wan Kenobi's thing, book, whatever you call it, from the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi story. Yeah. Um, did you like it? Yes. I like the Obi-Wan stories. I don't love them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mainly because Obi-Wan looks like a completely different guy. <laughs> like, it's he not even... Look like Ewan McGregor, does it? He doesn't look like Alec Guinness or Ewan McGregor. Or Alec Guinness, yeah. Because like, I don't know who it is. It looks like... I'm not even going to reference... An actor that was in Arrested Development. I can't remember his name, but he looks like a completely different guy. But they are... I mean... The first couple of issues are actually really quite influential in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Obi Wan, because you get that you get that moment which the Obi Wan Kenobi show references two moments from this comic. Actually, recreates two moments from this comic. 
This is this issue, isn't it, with Owen? No, this is the issue with the drought. And... <laughs> the next issue of it, then. <laughs> no, this is the issue with the drought and the moisture farmers are all getting robbed by Jabba the Hutt's pirates. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I definitely Obi- Obi-Wan's, mm-hmm. like, not getting involved at all. And then, sort of, eventually, because Luke gets involved, Obi-Wan is inspired to get involved. Yes, this one actually has echoes of John Jackson Miller's Kenobi book. Mm-hmm. It has really yeah. similar vibes um, in the fact of, like, Obi-Wan's trying to keep his head down and yep. he's conflicted over not using the Force, which obviously the Obi-Wan Kenobi show did the same thing for about five seconds yeah. while he was cutting yeah, the yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> I actually think, like, the, I mean, on, on reading this, there was a lot of stuff in here that felt very reminiscent of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, particularly, that obviously, that first episode. Um, and there were a few, like, little nice references, like the Black Melon you know, where Obi-Wan goes in and it's like, oh, you can drink from the back of the Black Melon. Like, it's really bitter, but you can drink from it, which is obviously, like, that's referenced in Book of Boba Fett. I'm sure that's from Legends, but, like, there's a lot of stuff which just ties together nicely with canon. Yeah, I think, if we speak about Obi-Wan Kenobi, whether you like the show or not, the one thing it did do is it definitely read, they definitely read the Journal of Obi-Wan um, comics mm-hmm. because they're, they're referenced so much. Yeah, have I mean, even the costume—the costume that he wears at the end of the Obi Wan Kenobi show—is taken directly from not this volume, not this issue, sorry, but one of the other issues. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, fair play to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we will talk in more detail about all of that uh, when we come to the trade paperback. I don't own that guess... trade paperback actually. Neither do I. Neither do I. Um, so let's just wrap it up there. Yeah, I'll Overall, just say like quickly course. if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously now we've covered the first two volumes of this if you're thinking about buying them obviously you can get them on Marvel Unlimited they're all on there but the col- it's collected in they're both collected in um, trade paperbacks so as that's the way we've kind of listed them so volume two something's up in Smuggler's Moon whatever it's called Dan what's it called? Showdown on Smuggler's Moon <laughs> yep at least one of us knows what we're talking about but it's also collected in an oversized hardcover which you can pick up Dirt Cheap, which has volume one and two collected in a hardcover, but it's also collected in the Jason Aaron Star Wars Omnibus, which has all of Jason Aaron's stuff mm-hmm. in one massive omnibus, um, which has been reprinted recently, so you can get it for a decent price. So if you, yeah. if you are thinking about, if you listen to this and you're thinking about picking them up, if you think you're going to love it, you want all of them, go for the omnibus. If not, you can get some cool hardcovers or trade paperback. Yeah. Yeah, I went for the trade paperback and I actually really like these trade paperbacks. Uh, nice little nice little collections um so yeah final thoughts chris before you finish yeah it's a good one <laughs> was a hand just hurt i'm into it yep yeah no i agree i think this is really good um i think this and volume one are a really good pairing of original trilogy adventures um there's a hench ass hut yeah there's han solo holding a lightsaber <laughs> There's some wacky ass shit in there. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good time. So if you haven't read it yet, you go get, read it. You get to see Luke fight a Doom villain in a, an arena. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All the cool things. And next volume, obviously, we've got Vader Down coming, but the next volume three of Star Wars is completely different again and features a certain chaotic archaeologist. Is that the. The Sunspot uh, prison one? The prison one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember really liking it but i can't remember much about it so i'm looking forward to rereading yeah, it's a that good one. one 
yeah. Um, right, okay. That wraps up Canon Catch-Up. Um, Canon Catch-Up will be back next week, and I believe Johnny and some people who care about Chewbacca's miniseries is going to be talking about the Chewbacca miniseries next week. I will just say, because we're not going to be in that episode, it has art by Phil Noto, which is gorgeous. That's pretty much all I have to say about that series. Yeah. I think it's that. Unless, and if I've got that wrong, it will just probably be me and Chris talking about the one shot C-3PO comic for about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's got my arm in it. Done. <laughs> uh, so one of those episodes will be out next week. And uh, Johnny's smashing it with Legends Library. Go check that out. Um, there's some other great episodes that have been out recently and are coming out. So stay tuned. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at SWBC Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. I'm a SARS book collector, SW book collector. I'm going to go play Fortnite. Dan's going to eat a Chinese. Yes, we are. And should we tease Chris? What's that? A little teaser that this week me and Chris are going to be sitting down <sighs> and interviewing oh my a God. certain Star Wars comic writer who has recently had a comic that has just come to its end. Uh, and it's say... not Alyssa Wong. That's all we'll say. <laughs> I wonder who we're interviewing. <laughs> Stay tuned to find we're out. Interviewing. <laughs> find out soon on the Star Wars Book Community podcast. Unless he uh, sacks off the interview. Yes. Yeah. He could actually just turn around and sack it off. Yeah. So I wonder who it is. <laughs> I don't know, but it's going to be e fun. Bye. <laughs> uh, bye.